Aren't you glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. Aren't you glad to be in the house of the Lord today? I know it's Wednesday night and I know pastor is still on vacation and I know it's hot outside, but I believe that God is worthy of all of our praise. Amen. I believe that God is worthy of all of the energy, every exclamation and proclamation of praise that we can give him. So one more time, I would just love for us to lift our hands, lift our voices. Just let something come out of the innermost part of your being this this evening. Let it be a shout of praise. Let it be an exclamation of praise. Hallelujah. You're worthy, Lord. You're worthy, Lord. You're worthy of it all, Lord. All of our praise, all of your glory, God, it is unto you. We magnify you. We glorify you, Lord. We know it's Wednesday night, Lord, but you're worthy on Wednesday night. We thank you, Lord. We magnify you, God. We glorify you, O oh Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord. You woke us up this morning. You put breath in our body. You put us in our right mind and you ordered our steps. And we're not here by accident, Lord, tonight. And I just pray, God, tonight as we open your word, your word would go forth. And it would be as living bread and sustenance. It would be as living water. It would be as fire and light, God, to our soul, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. We don't take it for granted, God, that we were able to come into this place and to lift you up and to magnify your name and to glorify you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I believe that he's worthy of all of my praise. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad to see you in the house of the Lord tonight. Turn to your other neighbor and say, neighbor. Come on, turn to your other neighbor and say, neighbor. We baptized five people in Jesus' name on Sunday. Amen. I believe that's something to be thankful for. How many of you are still excited about people being baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm still excited about it. And I believe God has more. And if you're here and you've never been baptized or you're considering being baptized, guess what? Sunday before July 4th is a great day to get baptized. It's a good day of freedom. Amen. So we're glad that you're here today. If this is your first time, again, as Cameron said, we greet you. We thank you for being here tonight. My name is David Grigsby. Uh, I'm not Pastor Nealon, so you'll have to put up with me tonight, all right? But he's on vacation with his family. We pray that he is resting, amen, and that he's going to be back, and uh, he's going to be back, and he's going to be rested. We've got another giveaway tonight. If you have, we've been giving away a journal uh, from the book of Psalms. If you have a purple Smiley face, a purple smiley face on your handout, then tonight is your night. Anybody? We've got some in the spaces here. No, this means I get to keep it. Praise the Lord. And we'll give it away next week. Somebody back in the back? Okay, come on up. Praise God. Somebody in the back? Giveaway, purple smiley face. Anybody? Okay, come on. Who's got it? I thought somebody had it back there. All right, if not, we'll give it away next week. Amen? We're glad that you're here today. Why don't you grab your Bibles? We're going to jump into the Bible study tonight, and you can be seated. I'm thankful. Thank you, worship team. Um, absolutely loved the acoustic worship tonight. Love that. Praise God. And uh, we've been on... Um, a journey in the book of Psalms. Everybody say the book of Psalms. How many of you have taken this opportunity this summer and just started reading through the Psalms? Anybody? Okay. I hope that you're doing that. I'm encouraging you to do that. All right. I'm encouraging you to do that. Do we have a winner? Okay. Praise God. Come on up here. Michelle, can you meet them halfway? All right. Let's give it up. We've got a winner tonight. We're thanking the Lord, praise God. Another journal given away. I love these journals. 
If you don't, if you don't win one, I encourage you to go online and get you one. And it's just the book of Psalms. And, uh, it gives you an opportunity to journal and take time and jot down your thoughts and, uh, keep you focused on what you're studying. But I love the book of Psalms. We really wanted to, we, we talked about Psalms 23 last week. Remember that? The Lord is my covenant keeping God. Amen. Remember that we talked about how David's promises are what? They're our promises. And I really wanted us to, um, we're kind of going out of order with pastor being on vacation, but I, I, what I really wanted us to do is go dive into Psalms 119. Everybody say Psalms 119. There's only one problem with Psalms 119. It's the longest chapter in the Bible, right? Amen. How many of you know that? 176 verses, right? And so we don't have the time or the opportunity. We could spend actually the rest of the year going through Psalms 19. It's very interesting how Psalms 19 is set up. It's set up in sections. Every section has a letter in the Hebrew alphabet. So there's 22 sections there. Every word in that section starts with that Hebrew letter. So if you have a chance and opportunity, we'll talk a little bit about that. And I actually put some information about Psalms 119 on the back of your handout. But we want to turn to Psalms 19. Everybody say Psalms 19. So I want you to turn there in your Bible. I want you to open up your Bible and actually turn there because I believe that Psalms 19, the section that we're going to focus on tonight, 7 through 11, is actually a miniature, okay? It's a miniature exposition of Psalms 119. So I believe that as we look at these four, five, six verses here tonight, we're going to see a miniature exploration of Psalms 119. There are commentators who say that this is actually two psalms, not one psalm. But if you look at it uh, in the whole thing, you study through the whole thing, you will find that there's no reason for us to assume that's true. It just depends on who you look at. It's actually a unified hymn sung by David, and its divine author is what? Is who? The Holy Ghost. Amen? How many believe the Word of God is authored by the Holy Ghost? Right? We believe that. And in this psalm, there is one theme. Everybody say one theme. And that God is revealing himself. Say that with me. God is revealing himself and his glory. Okay? God is revealing himself and uh, his glory. So we're going to focus on seven. Let's read it. Let's look at seven. If you want to read it aloud, if you want to read with me, however you want to do that, we're going to read through it. The law of the Lord is perfect. Converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Verse 10, more to be desired are they than what? Gold. Yea, then what? Much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. So God reveals himself in this chapter in two ways. He reveals himself first. We don't read this. We're going to go through it just real briefly. He reveals himself first through the created world. Everybody say creation. God reveals himself through creation, and then he reveals himself through his word in 7 through 14. So just briefly, there is actually a a quote that I put in your notes from a philosopher, Immanuel Kant, and he said this, Two things fill the mind with ever new and increasing admiration and awe, the starry heavens above and the moral law within. So there's two things that should do what? Should make us look toward God. It should be what? The creation that is around us and the word of God that's where? That's on the inside of us. Everybody say the word of God that's on the inside of us. How many of you have stood at the edge of an ocean or you've went to the mountains before or you've been to a place where there is, you can see all the stars in the Milky Way. There's no light pollution. Anybody? You've seen that before. How many of you? And you thought to yourself, there has to be what? A creator God. Amen? And so that's what the psalmist is talking about here, and we're going to just briefly talk about this, because God has put himself on display so that men and women in this world can see him without words. 
Let me say that again. Men and women in this world, all of creation, can see God without words. God is revealed by the created universe and everything that is within it. Verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God. Everybody say that with me. The heavens declare the glory of God. Now, we know that all creation declares the glory of God. But the psalmist here picks up on something that is massive, that is huge, something that everyone can see because they're not able to see the incredible stuff that we now can see under a microscope. He is looking at a macro vision, a large vision, or a large view of creation. So he takes the obvious, the heavens, the heavenly bodies, the stars, and he most particularly focuses in on the sun. We all know about the sun in southwest Louisiana because it's been hot here lately. Amen? So he says, this happens every day for everyone to see, verse 2. Day after day, this is declared. Night after night, this knowledge is revealed. And what is he saying? He's saying he is declaring, he's going back to verse 1, he is declaring the works of his hands, his handiwork. David is saying that the very works of God, the very hands of God, everybody say the hands of God, is being revealed where? It's being revealed in creation. How many of you have been to the mountains? You've been to the mountains, and you're thinking in your, in, your, in your mind, if you've been to the mountains, I love to go into the mountains with my dad and, and hike and go. The, the furthest back we've been is like eight miles in, and there's nobody there, and it's just you, and it's peaceful. You hope there's nothing else around like bobcats and cougars and bears and all that stuff. And we've had, we've had those encounters before as well, but that's another story. But you stand on the edge of nothing, and you see these majestic peaks uh, of 14,000, 15,000 feet in the Rocky Mountains, and you are in awe. I don't know about you, but I am in awe. And that lets me know that the hands of God are being what? Revealed in creation. Amen? So as they are revealed, as they are revealed, God is saying to us, uh, the understanding is that they are revealed in creation, and his power and his deity is revealed to us. In verse 3, he says, there isn't words. In other words, creation is not speaking to us. There's no speech. I like one commentator. He says that uh, the, the psalmist is saying that creation is actually a book without words. A book without words. Creation, when we look at the creation of God, we're actually reading a what? A book without words. There's no voice speaking into creation. Yet this testimony, this line of testimony, the psalmist is saying has gone out through the earth. Everybody on the planet understands the heavens, the heavenly bodies. They see the stars at night. Sometimes uh, they see the sun in the middle of the day, and there is an utterance that is without words, and it extends to the end of the world. In other words, there's not one person on the face of this earth uh, that does not see this creation, and it shouts to the glory of God. Amen? Amen. So we look at this in verse 5 and 6, and he says something here that's very staggering. We can pass over this uh, kind of... uh, just very casually, but he says the sun is as a bridegroom, what, coming out of its chamber. In all of his glory, beauty, magnificent, and shining brilliance, the sun comes out of its chamber. The sun has a course. In fact, it's rising, right? And it's moving. And the motion is from one end of the heavens and the circuit to the other end. And there's nothing hidden from the sun's heat. But this is not just describing the rising of the sun and the going down of the sun. That's earlier in the day and night. What is he talking about? He's literally talking about something that the ancients did not even understand. But this is the power of God's word. Literally what he is talking about is the fact that the sun is moving through the universe. Okay? If you did not know that, understand, scientists now tell us uh, that the sun is now moving through the universe at over a half a million miles an hour. That's moving. Okay? It's moving through the universe, and the Milky Way galaxy that we're in, that our earth is in with this sun, is moving with it. And it says, scientists said it will take us over 230 million years to complete its orbit. Uh, But the Bible is already testifying to the fact uh, that God is so magnificent in his glory and his creation. uh, If he says, if you'll open your eyes, uh, you will see the glory and the power of a creator God. 
Amen? It's not something that ancient scientists could tell them. Uh, it is only revealed to them through the what? Through the understanding that God is the creator of all things. This universal revelation of God in his world is so clear. It is so unmistakable and it points to the creator and to his deity so that men are without excuse. Even if they do not believe in God, it is sufficient enough to judge them for eternity. This is what Paul's talking about in Romans 1 and we don't have time to go there. The Bible says the fool has said what in his heart? There is what? No God. The fool has said that. Why? Because when we look at creation, we can look at creation and say what? Surely there is a God. Then we find our way to the main part of our text here today in Psalms 19. I keep wanting to say 119. We come to 7 through 14. Now, this is not God's general revelation. Creation is God's general revelation. But this is his specific revelation. Everybody say his specific revelation. This is in words, words that come from the mind of God through the writers of Scripture. This is what has been given to us to save us. Ladies and gentlemen, God has given us everything in His Word through revelation, through the power of the gospel, and the unction of the Holy Ghost to save us. You believe that? That is the specific revelation of God. In other words, when we read the Scripture It should be powerful enough to us. It should be convicting enough to us uh, to know that God is bigger than we are, right? God is greater than we are. God is bigger than our situation and our circumstance. uh, And only are we able to walk with God if we surrender to the power of God. Amen? There's no salvation without the gospel, ladies and gentlemen. And there's no gospel without the scripture. Let me say that again. There's no salvation without the gospel, and there's no gospel without the scripture. We must have specific revelation, a revelation and a word that reveals God's will to us, God's plan to us, God's purpose to us, and God's way of salvation. So the psalmist is shifting from the created world uh, to the word of God. Everybody say the word of God. And so we see these statements. They seem parallel to us. They're actually a reflection of what the psalmist has done in Psalms 119, talking about the Word of God. How many of you are thankful for this book right here? Let me say that. Let me ask again. How many of you are thankful for this book? How many of you, how many of you actually brought, it up, brought a printed Bible tonight? Raise it up to me. Well, there you go. You didn't bring, I've got a device and a Bible. Amen. There's nothing like having this. I love, I love my electronic Bible and I have several versions, but there's nothing like having a physical Bible in your hand. Why is that? Because it reminds us that the God of the universe has given us everything that we need to be successful in this life. Let me say that again. The God of the universe has given us his word and he's given us a manual from the creator, right? to be successful in this life, to overcome the things in this life. So everything that you are facing in this life, guess where the answer is? The answer is right here in the Word of God. Everybody say the Word of God. The Word of God should be, and we'll talk about this in a second, the Word of God should be the most precious thing to us. Amen? Let me say that again. The Word of God should be the most precious thing to us. It shouldn't be just something that we leave on the coffee table to gather dust. How many have seen those big family Bibles, right, in the center of the coffee table, right? It shouldn't be something that we just leave on the coffee table or leave on the shelf or leave on our books, uh, our bedside table to gather dust. In fact, we have a rule in our house that there's nothing that goes on top of the Bible. Amen? Am I right? There's nothing that goes on top of the Bible. Okay? Why is that? Because it's the preeminent word that I have from God for the testimony of his goodness and his greatness and his power in my life. So nothing should overshadow that. Right? Are you with me so far? The word of God. Say that with me. The word of God. Now listen to what you just said. The God that is the beginningless and endless creator of the universe has given us what? His word. People ask me all the time, what version of the Bible should I read? I'm reading, I'm teaching to you from the New King James Version. I want to tell you which version you should read. The one you'll read. Amen? 
Now, I know there's a lot of different versions. You have to be careful, things that are left out and all of those things. I understand that. But if you get a King James Version and you won't read it because it's too difficult for you to read, what good is it to you? Amen? This should be the most important thing to us. This should be the thing that we spend the most time with, the most energy with, with the most focus is. And I know I'm preaching to the choir because you're, you're here on Wednesday night on the fourth week of a Psalm series. But understand, I'm cheering you on. The most important thing in your life is the Word of God abiding deeply in your life. Amen? What did Jesus say? We talked about in the first week. What? If your words, what? Abide in me. Right? And I, what? Abide in you. You shall, what? Ask. Anybody say the rest of it? Ask what? Anything, what? And it, what? Shall be done. The only challenge is, is we quote the last part without doing the first part. But the promise to God providing for us and blessing for us is the fact that God's word is, what? Abiding deeply within us. So here we are in this section of scriptures. The law of the Lord is perfect. The testimony of the Lord is sure. The precepts of the Lord are right. The commandments of the Lord are pure. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are righteous altogether. Six parallel statements that sound almost identical. Why are these things that we should be studying tonight? I'm glad that you asked because I hope by the end of this Bible study tonight, you will understand the importance of this. Notice how each one of these says all the same little phrase in every single one of them. What? Of the Lord. Everybody say, of the Lord. This word here, of the Lord, is the covenant name Yahweh. Everybody say, Yahweh. It is the covenant name Yahweh. In other words, God's word is coming out of his Covenant promise to us. Ladies and gentlemen, this word right here is a covenant promise to us. What does that mean? That means that God is not going back on his word. Let me say that again. God is not going back on his word. God is not going back on the promises of his word. If he's given us a promise, then God's not going back on that promise. This is not a contract to God. This is a covenant for God to us, to his people. Amen. Why? Because God, Scripture comes from God. Remember what Paul says? All Scripture is what? God what? Breathed. God what? Breathed. I put a little graph there in your notes and they'll have it on the screen. There's six titles here about scripture. Law, testimony, precepts, commandment, fear, judgments. There's six characteristics of scripture. Perfect, sure, right, pure, clean, true. There's six benefits. It restores the soul. It makes wise the simple. Rejoices the heart enlightens the eyes, endures forever, and produces comprehensive righteousness. This is an absolutely stunning summation of the full sufficiency of the Word of God. It has taken all 176 verses in Psalms 119, which expand on all of these, and it has reduced it down to these microcosm of these six statements. It is God's Word concerning God's Word. Let me say it again. It's God's Word about what? God's Word. In other words, what? God is testifying to us about what He thinks His Word should be to us. Amen? So let's look at it. Verse 7. Look in your Bible. I hope you got your Bible open. Everybody read it with me. What? The law. Everybody say it with me. The law. Of the Lord is what? Perfect. Everybody say perfect. Restoring the soul. This word law here is used 25 times in Psalms 119. It literally means the Torah. The challenge with modern people today that no one wants to hear about the law of God. There is nothing more that people in our modern society are allergic to than understanding that God has rules and laws. We can talk about God's love and God's mercy all day long, and they're with us, right? But the moment that you start talking about his law, all of a sudden, their faces look like shutters from the inside. It's shut down, baby, right? Because what is that? It's his law 
that brings correction and conviction to our life. But no matter how people respond in this world, Scripture is God teaching man all that he needs to know to live life to its fullest. All that we need to know to live life to its fullest. In other words, this is a manual sent to us by the manufacturer. How many of you men know we've got a motto? When all else fails, read the directions. Right? And our wife is saying, did you read the directions? And we say, no, we got this. We'll figure this out. That's why I let my wife assemble everything because she can figure it out from the get-go and she reads the directions. Let me tell you something. If we're going to live our life to the fullest on this earth, it's going to have to be according to the Word of God. Amen? It's going to have to be according to the Word of God. So no matter what culture says, and no matter what other people in your life may say, Scripture is teaching us all that we need to know to live life to the fullest. And guess what, ladies and gentlemen? When we stand before God in eternity, ignorance will not be a defense. Let me say that again. Ignorance will not be a defense. Why? Because God's revealed everything that we need to know to make it to eternity. How? Through his word. How many of you have ever been hunting before? Anybody? How many of you have ever run into the game warden before? Unfortunately, I'm raising my hand. And you know what? The first thing that the game warden rolls up and asks you, he does not ask you, did you read the hunting guidebook? right? He assumes what? That you know what? All the law about what you're hunting. So if you're hunting dove in Texas, I don't know how it is in Louisiana, there better not be any steel shells even in your bag while you're hunting. It better all be lead. Did you know that? See, you're learning something about Texas hunting tonight. Praise God. You're going to learn something. Amen. Why is that? Because it's against the federal law. And you know what we would say? We would normally say, well, I'm sorry. There's just a few shells in there. I meant to clean them out. I'm, I'm not hunting with those. And you know what the game warden's going to say? I'm sorry. Let me write you a ticket. Why? Because you what? Should have known. So ignorance is not a defense, right? He's assuming that you already know the rules. Ladies and gentlemen, when it comes to God's word, ignorance is not a defense. That's why we must do everything that we can to study God's word and do what? Apply it to our life. These titles, law, testimony, precepts, commandment, fear, judgment, they're like looking at one diamond from different facets and different angles, but it's all what? The word of God. And we see them repeated over and over. I put them in your, in the back of your handout and you can go back and look at that later, but it's over and over. And what are they referring to? They're referring to the word of God. Everybody say the word of God. So what does it mean when the psalm says that his law is perfect? It doesn't mean that it doesn't have, that it's imperfect. It's the opposite of imperfect. It's actually not, it is actually the word incomplete. In other words, what the psalmist is saying is that God's law is not incomplete. It is the Hebrew term used for the idea of comprehensiveness. In other words, the root word looks there and it's all sided. So it's all sided to cover completely all aspects of everything. And the Hebrews would use this when they will have a meaning that nothing can be taken from it. Nothing can be added to it. It is everything that it needs to be. So the intent is this, that the law of God gives us everything It lacks nothing. It possesses everything. It is a flawless set of instructions that is completely sufficient from Genesis to Revelation. And if we'll read it and apply it to our life, it will restore our soul. Amen. I want you to think about that. Think about this. This should make us fall in love with this book more than anything like ever before. The Word of God possesses everything and lacks nothing. It is completely sufficient. Every word that you need and even those, every answer that you need and even those answers that you did not need, what? It's all right here in God's Word. Amen? 
The word soul here is the actual Hebrew word nefesh. It's used over uh, so many different times. And there's English, several different English translations. Another, In fact, one commentator says over 21 different translations of this one word. It means soul, person, self, mind, heart. But it says what it's really talking about is the real person, the eternal person, the person that's going to live forever. Look at your neighbor and say, you're going to live forever. Come on, look at him again and say, you're going to live forever somewhere. That's the person that this is talking about. The law of the God is perfect, restoring the soul. The scripture's design is to target all of its power and all of its energy on the inner man. Everybody say the inner man. On our soul. The scripture from the Lord is divine instruction that is so complete that it can totally transform the entire person. The scripture of God, the word of God is utterly sufficient for the transformation, the restoration, for the perfection, for the conversion, and for the salvation of the soul. The scripture that we have today, its target is who we are on the inside. Peter said, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but what? But of incorruptible by what? The word of God. And this is the word by which the gospel is preached to you. Titus, Paul said to Titus uh, that we are washed by the regenerating power of what? God's word. Ladies and gentlemen, it is the word of God that is the transforming power. I want to remind us of that. It is God's word that transforms us. It is not the mechanics and the homiletics of a good preacher. It's not the skill of a good teacher. It's not the cleverness of design or uh, theatrics of a uh, of a speaker. No, it is God's word. It is God's word. The only way that we can be transformed is by allowing what? The work of God's word to take place on the inside of us. Not only do we need to read God's word. We need to allow God's word to read us. Amen. Second statement, the testimony of the Lord is sure making wise the simple. Testimony here is 23 times in Psalms 119. It looks at the scripture as a divine testimony. In other words, a divine witness. This is so powerful. This, ladies and gentlemen, is literally God giving his own testimony as to who he is, what he wills, what he requires, and what he will do. Let me say that again. The testimony of the Yahweh God, the covenant-keeping God of Israel, is sure making wise the simple. It is God giving his own testimony. God's testify. How many of you remember testimony service? Amen. It is God testifying to us. What is the psalmist saying? He's saying that this word that we have with us is God testifying to us. What? Of who he is, what he wills, what he requires, and what he will do. I love books. How many of you love books? I hope that you love books. I love bookstores. My wife, she puts up, she's been on so many treks and journeys and finding maps on map from anything from MapQuest to Google Maps and finding maps and, and libraries and bookstores. And I used to have the privilege of being close to one of the most gorgeous libraries. I, I, I hope you, they have a picture there. It's called Lanier Library. It's a private library. If you go to the next picture, you see all those books. It's two stories. That doesn't do it justice because you're standing in the middle of the main room and there's thousands, hundreds of thousands of volumes there. And I've had the, the beautiful privilege of going there and studying and writing a lot of papers and Bible studies. But out of all of those books and all of the libraries of the world and all the bookstores that I've been to and all the libraries that I've spent time in, there's only one book that is absolutely true. And it is the Word of God. Out of all the books that I've put my hand on, out of all the books that I've taken off the shelf and looked at and read and bought, right? The only thing, the only book that I even have in my own personal library that I know without a shadow of a doubt that is sure and reliable in every sense, unwavering, without mistake, is able to be trusted from the beginning to the end, is able to be followed, is this book right here. 
Why? Because this is God's testimony. He is testifying of himself. Remember what pastor taught us in week one. You shall delight in the law of the Lord. You shall what? Meditate on it day and night. And if you'll do that, you'll be what? A tree firmly planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season. In other words, if we're not meditating day and night on God's word, does that mean we've got to read? We know that we can't read 24 hours a day. I understand that. But we've got to have such an infusion of God's word on the inside of us. Amen. I said we need an infusion of God's word on the inside of us that we can meditate it even when it's not in front of us. Amen. We have to have that. And he says, if we'll do that, then we will be what? We will be like trees firmly planted by streams of living water. It allows us to, how many of you know there's a lot of noise in this world? How many of you read the news today? I made the mistake of looking at my phone this afternoon in the hotel and I shook my head. My wife's like, what's wrong? I was like, I'm just reading the news and I shouldn't have read it before Bible study. Why? It's just filled with so much negativity. There's so much chaos. I say, David, do we need to plant our head in the sand like an ostrich? No, I'm not saying that. But somewhere along the line, ladies and gentlemen, we've got to get some discernment. Don't pray for discernment if you're not reading God's Word. Let me say that again. Don't pray for God, for God to give you discernment if you're not reading God's Word. I'm amazed at people that want a word from the Lord, from a pastor or a prophet or evangelist, and they haven't even opened up God's word to see what he's saying about the situation. Amen? I've got a word from the Lord for you, ladies and gentlemen. It's right here. Are you saying that you don't believe in the prophetic? No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that the testimony of God is reliable, and it takes simple, undeserving, naive, uninformed, inexperienced people and makes them skilled at living and following after God. Remember what they said about the disciples? They were shocked. Why? Because they looked at them, and they just looked at them as second-class citizens, uh, fishermen, and all these different people. But these are they who have been who? With Jesus. Jesus. And they did what? They turned the world upside down. Who had they spent their time with, ladies and gentlemen? They spent three and a half years of their life with the Word made flesh being deposited into their life. Amen? So we have to understand that mastering the art of living is accomplished by obedience. Everybody say obedience. How many of you like that word? Right? See, you're right. None of us raised our hand. None of us like the word obedience. It's like when I go to the doctor and the doctor tells me to do something that I don't want to do. And then I get upset with the doctor. Right? And I'm upset with the doctor when I should be what? Upset with myself. But mastering the art of living is accomplished by obedience to the knowledge and the application of the word of God. God is always the source of his wisdom, and he has laid it out in Scripture very plainly for us. Then we come to verse 8. It says, the precepts of the Lord. Everybody say, the precepts of the Lord. Now, that's a word. That's one of those old English words that we don't use a lot anymore, right? The precepts are literally the doctrines of God. Everybody say, the doctrines of God. There is, in other words, these are not mere suggestions. These are not some floating truth that just happens to become reality when you existentially experience them. No, these are absolute truths. Okay? I know it's a strong word, but ladies and gentlemen, these are divine doctrines, not suggestions. Let me say that again. They're divine doctrines, not suggestions. And they are the absolute principle for our behavior and the principles for us living and overcoming life. Doctrine simply means truth. Everybody say truth. Everybody shout the word truth. We are living in a world that does not like truth. Let me say that again. We are living in a world that does not like truth. And they do not like us living out the truth of God's word before them. Are you with me? You understand what I'm saying? And that doesn't mean that we have to be arrogant. That doesn't mean that we have to beat people in the head with our knowledge. That's not what I'm talking about. But what I'm talking about is it doesn't matter 
If I think it's truth or not, if it's truth according to God's word, then it's truth whether I feel good about it or not. Amen? And so that's what the author is saying here. Doctrine is simply a truth, a truth that is established, a truth that is communicated, a truth that is understanded. Psalms 119 says, the law of the Lord is what? A light unto my pathway, a lamp unto my feet. In fact, it's not just a light and a lamp, but it's also the path. And if you're going to navigate this world, if you're going to wander through this dangerous, deadly, deceptive world, uh, the confusing world that we live in with all of its pitfalls and horrors and psychobabble, there's something that you're going to have to have uh, to navigate these things uh, in this process. Uh, you've got to make sure that you're on a path uh, that is that is illuminated with God's word through his truth. Amen? Scripture creates a right path. Everybody say a right path. A way to think, a way to walk that produces joy. True joy comes from truth. Let me say that again. True joy comes from understanding truth. Here's the bottom line. If we're afraid to dive deep into doctrine, and I know that I'm preaching to the choir, like I said earlier, because you're here on Wednesday night. If we're afraid to dive deep into doctrine, then what happens is we wind up with shallow roots. Amen? Let me say that again. If we're afraid to dive deep into God's Word and through the doctrine and the truth of God's Word, then what happens is we will have shallow roots. What happens to a tree in the middle of a storm? All of you know this because you've experienced it. Have you seen it? What happens to a tree with shallow roots in the middle of a storm? It gets blown over, right? And most of the time when it gets blown over and it gets what? Uprooted. The reason that it gets uprooted is because why? The roots were what? Shallow. Ladies and gentlemen, if we don't have the truth of God's word living on the inside of us and us abiding in that word, then we're going to have shallow roots. And when the storms of this life come, they will come. They are coming. They've already come. We've all experienced them and they will come some more. Guess what? We will be uprooted. I know that's a sobering thought, but we have to understand that discipleship comes from planting deep roots in God's Word. We all say, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus, right? Wave your hand if you're a follower of Jesus in this room. I'm a follower of Jesus. Guess what? We can't be a follower of Jesus if we don't have deep roots of discipleship in God's Word. Jeremiah says, your words were found and I did eat them and your word was what? It was in me. The joy and the rejoicing of my heart. Where do I get my joy? My joy comes from the Word of God applied to living the right kind of life, walking the right path. Colossians 3.16 says, Letting the Word of God do what? Dwell in you richly. In other words, Paul, another word Paul says, he says that we should be what? Deeply rooted in what? Christ Jesus. Our life do not consist of the abundance of things that we possess. It does not come from self-indulgence. It does not come from self-gratification. Pastors preach this over and over, a self-promotion. But true, lasting, unassailable, impregnable joy comes through the Word of God being known and obeyed deep from within our lives. Amen? There's another statement in verse 8. He says, the commandment of the Lord is pure. Everybody say that with me. The commandment of the Lord is pure. Enlightening the eyes. The commandment of the Lord, this term here is used 22 times in Psalms 19. It is speaking of a divine decree or a divine mandate. They are authoritative. They are sovereign and they are binding. In other words, God gives us many times in his word, all the time, non-optional commands. Everybody say commands. How many of you read the Ten Commandments? Amen. Not the Ten Suggestions, right? The Ten Commandments. These commandments are pure. The entirety of God's Word is pure. The better word here for, the, for, for our help here today in our modern English is clarity. Everybody say clarity. 
Many people look at the Bible and say, well, I don't understand the Bible. It looks dark. It looks muddy. It looks ancient. It looks out of date. I can't read it. It's too old, right? There's even been movements in modern times through theology that battle against the clarity of Scripture. And yet our Lord expects the unbelieving Jews of the Old Testament to understand because he continuously says to the Pharisees and the religious rulers, what? Have you not read? Remember him saying that? Have you not heard? Did you not search out the scripture? What was he talking about? He was talking about the revelation of himself. And he's saying, if you'd read what? The law and the prophets. He said, you would know that the law and the prophets are what? They're speaking about what? About me. Ladies and gentlemen, it should not escape us that we have the ability to see the world and a world that other people cannot see. Why? <clears throat> because we see it biblically through the Word of God. Amen? We see it biblically through the Word of God. We think things the way that God thinks things. We understand, hopefully, death, life, eternity. We understand the purposes of God that are unfolding in history. We understand goodness and evil and sin and righteous. We understand that we're living in a world, not just a physical world, but we're living in a world of spiritual light and spiritual darkness. We understand that the body of Christ is complete in Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is the head of that body. We understand those things. But the only way that we can understand those things is if we have God's Word and God's Spirit actively at work in our life. Amen? Actively at work in our life. Verse 9, the fear of the Lord is clean. Everybody say clean. Enduring forever. We wouldn't even know how to worship God without His Word. Why? Because the Bible says we worship God with what? In spirit and in what? Truth. We, if, if we don't have the spirit of God living on the inside of us through the power of the Holy Ghost, then the word of God is only going to take us so far. Let me say that again. We must have the spirit of God connected and together with the Word of God so that we can live an overcoming life for God and through God. Are you with me? Why is that? The Bible says, Jesus said what to the disciples? That the Holy Spirit, He's sending the Holy Spirit what? It would be what? It would show them what? All things. All truths. So the illumination of the Holy Ghost in our life, when we apply that to the Word of God, we're not there. Let, let me tell you something. I've sat with a lot of people in school and, and, and different places. I've learned, I've heard people lecture. And you know what? You can teach this and lecture and talk about this just like it's another book or a piece of history sitting on a shelf. And I've even seen men and women, especially uh, the ones that I know for sure of, who are men, who have so elevated themselves what they think in their knowledge of the Word of God that they've elevated themselves above God's Word. They're no longer, in other words, they're no longer submitted to the truth of God. In other words, they think that they have so much knowledge that they can elevate themselves above the Word of God. Men who have spent years in seminary and walk away from seminary backslid and be, not even believing in God anymore. Why? Because all it was was an academic pursuit and there was no spirit in it. Ladies and gentlemen, we must be like Paul said to the, to the Colossians and said to the, uh, to the Ephesians. He said, I'm praying for you, and I'm paraphrasing Colossians 1 and 9, that you will have all spiritual wisdom concerning what? All things. If there's anything that we should wake up and pray for in the morning on Thursday morning, we should wake up and pray for spiritual understanding. Amen? The fear of the Lord is what? The beginning of all wisdom. What does this word clean mean here? It means that it's free from error. It is free from corruption. If there's even one great single statement that speaks to the Bible and the inerrancy of God's word. In other words, it is the manual of worship authored by God and it is free from defilement. It is free from error. The psalmist would say in Psalms 12, the words of the Lord are pure words. They're like silver tested in furnace seven times over. What's the evidence of the purity? The evidence of the purity is that it lasts forever. When something is tainted, it changes. Right? 
Are you with me? If something is tainted, it changes. But the word of God is purified and it lasts forever. In other words, the Bible, the word of God that we study is not out of date. It's not irrelevant. It's just as real today as it was the days that men of old put pen to paper by the Holy Ghost and wrote these words down over 2,000 years ago, over 4,000 years ago. It's still relevant today. Why? Because it is the truth. Truth and the testimony of who God is and what he wants to do in our life. Amen? The judgments of the Lord are true. Final statement in verse 9. They're righteous all together. In other words, God has sent his judgments forward through his power of his word. What the Bible says about creation is true. What the Bible says about sin and righteousness and judgment is true. What it says about everything in this life is absolutely true. The judgments of the Lord are true. They produce righteousness. This book of truth is complete in its truth and produces in us righteousness. Through the gospel comes justification. Through the spirit comes sanctification. But combined with God's word, we live in a place of righteousness. Everybody say righteousness. It is sufficient. It has the power to transform us. It is so alive. It makes us wise. It gives us joy. It gives us understanding. It is eternally relevant. It is a absolute gift to us. There are many people walking around in this world and they're stumbling around in darkness. They're walking around looking for something that they wish that they had, that you have, you and I have today. There are people here who, there are people around you in your life that say, I wish I had the joy in the shifting sands of circumstance. I wish that I could live above it with lasting joy. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the only source of that joy. The only source to walk through the dark times of this life. Is through this book. As we gather to a close here, and I'm not going to be able to finish this, but you can take this home and read it. The Bible says, the psalmist says, the words of this book are more what? Desirable than gold. Yea, much more than fine gold. They are sweeter also than what? Honey. And the drippings of a honeycomb. How many of you have ever had fresh honeycomb before? You've tasted it. You've taken a bite of it. Is it sweet? It's very sweet. What is he trying to say to us? He's trying to say this, and I want to leave you with this. He's trying to say that our greatest treasure, more desirable than gold, yea, fine gold, and our greatest pleasure is God's word. Let me say that again. Our greatest treasure and our greatest pleasure should be God's word living on the inside of us. It is by these words in your book, Lord, that your servant is warned. The word have I hid in my heart that what? I might not what? Sin against you. It's my great reward because it's my highest treasure. Ladies and gentlemen, everything that you have in this earth is going to pass away or let you down. I don't want to be negative, but it's just the truth. Right? Everything in this world is going to go away, melt, be contaminated. Everything that you think in your life that can prop up your life is going to eventually let you down. Amen? The only thing that's going to last forever is God's word on the inside of you. If there comes a place and a time, God forbid, and I hope not, Lord, I, I pray not. But let me ask you a question. If there comes a time in the United States where they say it's illegal to have a Bible in your home. Do you have enough God's word in your life to still make it? Do you have enough God's word deep on the inside of you? Right? Deep on the inside of you. Remember our, what we said, God's word what? Abiding. Everybody say abiding. If we're honest with us, all of us struggle with the challenge of spending time in God's word. Amen? That's why the psalmist is continuously reminding us, I want you to what? I should be what? Meditating on this what? Day and night. 
That's why he could end this up. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Joshua says, Joshua 8 says, the book of the law shall what? Not depart from out of my mouth, but I shall meditate it on day and night. In other words, the acceptable meditation in our life should be God's word. The promise that, that what he told the children of Israel, he said, when you lie down, when you stand up, when you sit down, when you walk, teach the children that you may be careful to do so according to all that is written where? In my word. Then this will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. Do we want to have a flourishing, spiritually affluent life? Then let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in God's sight. And what is acceptable in God's sight is that your thoughts and your words are what? Biblical. In other words, I've got to think on these things, not the things of this world. Amen? Let me say that again. I've got to think on these things, not the things of this world. Because if I continually to think on the things in this world, then I am just going to be fed the negativity of this life. And it will eventually, it will be like the parable of the sower. It would eventually choke out what? The seed of God's word. I firmly believe that a lot of us look at that story that Jesus tells in Matthew 13 and 14. And we don't think that we that any of us, our heart is in any of those conditions. But I firmly believe, and I've preached this and taught this for years, that actually in our current world in 2022, we have a lot of weeds Let me say that again. We have a lot of weeds. We have iPhone weeds. Netflix weeds. Amazon weeds. Are you with me? We have things in our life that consume our time and our energy and our strength. And if we're not careful, what happens? It does what? It chokes out the seed of God's word in our life. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope by the end of this summer, I'm praying, I'm begging, I'm believing that by the end of this summer that you and I will be so in love with God's word. It will be our ultimate treasure and it will be our greatest pleasure. But we must do the work of abiding in this word. Amen. I'm challenging you. I know that we didn't talk about Psalms 119, but I'm challenging. How many of you ever read Psalms 119? Okay, there's a lot of you that haven't read Psalms 119. I'm challenging you. Break it up in sections. There's 22 small sections there. Break it up. Go through it. It's all about 171 verses out of 176 verses mentioned directly the Word of God and how it applies to our life. We must have God's word in our life. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh, my Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Let's stand. Where's Ashton? Can you come up here about and just play the keys or somewhere, keyboard? I want you to get your Bible out. We're going to close with this. Just, just take your Bible out. Take your device out. Right? And I'm going to try to stand up if I don't fall over. I want you to turn, turn back to Psalms uh, 18. I want to try to teach you something. Psalms 18. We did a little handout praying the Psalms. If you didn't get that, I'd love for you to get a hold of that. All it does is just take the Word of God. It breaks it down under the headings and the sections of the Lord's Prayer. In fact, we'll just... No, we'll go back to Psalms 18. I'm sorry. There's something about... Speaking God's word into our life and out of our life. Not just meditating on it, right? we got to do that. But I'm talking about allowing it to come out of our mouth. Are you with me? We're closing. Though we're going to close, we're going to pray the Psalms. Everybody say, pray the Psalms. There's one thing that I want you to learn. Two things I want you to learn this summer. 
is I want you to fall in love with God's word. And we should pray that every day. Lord, let me fall in love with your word. Amen. Could you, could you make that your prayer this week? Lord, let me fall in love with your word. Could you do that? And I want you to learn how to pray God's word. Because praying God's word is doing what? It's you are reminding yourself of God's promise to you. Amen? I said you're reminding yourself of God's promise to you. When you don't know what else to pray, you've used all the words that you know. You're reminding yourself of God's word. Lord, I love you because you are my strength. Lord, you are my rock and you are my fortress and you are my deliverer. Lord, you are the one in whom I will trust because you are the strength of my life. You are my shield and you are the horn of my salvation. You are my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord And I'm calling upon you, Lord, today because you're worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Verse 6, in my distress, Lord, I called upon you and I cried out to you and you heard my voice. Lord, I thank you that you hear my voice today. I thank you that in the middle of my temple, in the middle of your temple, in your house, in the middle of my dilemma and my circumstance, uh, as I cry out to you, Lord, you hear my voice. That's praying the word of God. Are you with me? You hear my voice and my cry comes before you. The earth shook and trembled and the foundations of the hills also quaked and shaken because you were angry. Go down to verse verse, uh, 16. You have sent him from above. You took me and you drew me out of many waters. You have delivered me from a strong enemy. You have delivered me from those who hated me. They were too strong for me and they confronted me in the day of my calamity. But the Lord was my support and he also brought me out into a broad place. He delivered me because he delighted me. Lord, I thank you that you're delivering me right now out of this situation because you delight in me. You have rewarded me according to your righteousness, not my righteousness. I pray that all the time. Lord, you have rewarded me according to your righteousness, not my righteousness. Lord, I thank you that with the merciful, you'll show yourself merciful. I thank you with the blameless, you will show yourself blameless. I thank you, Lord, that you're going to save your humble people. Verse 27. I thank you, Lord, that you are going to light my lamp uh, and that you are going to enlighten my darkness. Uh, I thank you, Lord, that no matter how feeble, no matter how frail that I may feel, uh, because of you, through you, and by you, uh, I can run through a troop uh, and by you I can leap over a wall. Uh, I thank you, Lord, that your way is perfect uh, and your word is proven. Uh, I thank you, Lord, that you're a shield uh, to all who trust in you. Uh, Lord, I'm trusting you right now in the middle of my situation and my circumstance. You are my shield. You are my rock. You are my high tower. You are the safe place that I run to. You see what I'm talking about? Amen. How does that make you feel? Does that make you feel alive? That should make you feel alive in the middle of your circumstance and your situation. No matter what's going on on the, on, on the outside of us. Right? We say this all the time. Your pastor's preached it masterfully. I'll never forget him preaching it. We have to get our eyes off of what we see and get our eyes back on what we know. What do we know that's true and everlasting? What we know is true and everlasting is God's Word. Amen? So we can't get our eyes locked in on what we see. I know my wife preaches this to me all the time. Don't, don't look at what you see in the physical. Remind yourself of what God's word says to you in the spiritual. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that your gentleness has made me great. That you've enlarged my path so my feet would not slip. I thank you, Lord, that you're my rock and my salvation. And you're the one who is to be exalted. I thank you, Lord, that you have delivered me. And you have shown me mercy. Amen. I encourage you, ladies and gentlemen, I challenge you to get God's word out. Get the Psalms out and pray the Psalms and speak back to the God, his promises. Amen. How many of you are thankful for the word of God? Could you just raise your hands right now? Lord, we thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, tonight something that we said. I know it's different 
I know this style of teaching may be different for some people here tonight. But it's simply your word. It's not my word. And I pray, Lord, tonight as we leave this place, your word would challenge us, change us, comfort us. Amen. Convict us and keep us. When we wake up tomorrow, Lord, let us have a yearning to be in your word. When we wake up on Friday and Saturday, let us have a yearning to be in your word. Let us abide deeply in your word and your word abide deeply in us. We thank you for your word today. It is our greatest treasure and it is our greatest pleasure. And we give you all glory for it right now. Just put your hands together and thank the Lord right now for his word. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your promise. Thank you for your... Say, David, the Lord doesn't know his word. No, the Lord knows his word. We just need to be reminded of his promises to us. Amen. We love you. We can't wait to see you this Sunday. Bring somebody. We're going to have a great time, a celebration. Remember, no service next Wednesday night, camp meeting week. Y'all have a great week, and we'll see you Sunday morning.